Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jay Grow with Dogs 24-7. With me are Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also from Dogs 24-7. It's game week. It's been game week, but we're only a few couple days away from kickoff now, and we're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right into Georgia versus Vanderbilt. We're going to get this thing started off fast and, and quick. And uh, Rusty, going to throw it to you first, and, and we're all going give to give our input here, but Picks to click, picks guys who you think are going to play well, pick one on offense, pick one on defense. Would love for you to pick one on each side of the ball. Who yeah. you got? Obviously, I'll go with the story I wrote last night. I think Brian Harrion's a guy that's going to get a lot of touches. He's going to get some opportunities. I think Brian Harrion's going to play well. I'm interested to see what Georgia shows offensively with Jake Fromm in their passing game. Obviously, they're not taking this game lightly, but if they can physically dominate Vanderbilt, you may see a more vanilla-type uh, approach from James Coley before this Notre Dame game coming up here in a couple of weeks. So I'll go with Brian Herrian on offense and on defense. I'll go with J.R. Reed. I know there's some other guys that are there. I just think J.R. Reed's going to make a play or two here. He has that in canny knack to do that. Uh, maybe a big hit knocks one loose, an interception. I watched the Alabama game a couple of days ago and him coming across the field and center field to make that pick in the second half against Tua with, just shows you how valuable he is, but he's a senior. He came back for a reason. I think he's going to show well on Saturday night. Kip, who do you have? I like those picks. I like those picks. I uh, I, I got to go with uh, our boy Jake Fromm going into his junior season. You know, everyone's been been talking about what can he do in this offense. You know, what this is his team, and you just look at how he's done against Vanderbilt the last you know his first two games. He's completed, I think, over 70% of his passes. I think he's like 24 or 34, thrown for 379 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. And and that's really what you want. You're going to be on the road, uh, you know, SEC environment. Now, you know, we think that George is going to represent well at Vanderbilt Stadium. That They always have, but still, it's, it's a road game. And, and this is really prime for, for J- a Jake Fromm game plan of, of just – being smart with the football and getting the ball into your playmakers' hands and, and letting them make big plays and, and getting the ball downfield when you need to. And that's really what where Jake shines. I think this is just, you know, set up perfectly for him to have a great game to to start that junior campaign as far as offensively get you know, the offensive line. I think they're really gonna uh just kind of set the tone in this game, both in the run game and in pass protection. I think that's really gonna be the storyline for the game is is how Georgia's offensive line kind of uh, dominated the line of scrimmage and on defense. You know, I, I love the JRE pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick right next to that with with Richie LeCount, a guy that's really you know you they've thief. been pushing on you thief you thief. I'm just calling you a thief right now. Rusty stole my guy. I went to the <laughs> next guy on my list. I think these safeties are gonna have big games against Vanderbilt. I think Richie is a guy that uh. You know, uh, Kirby's been really been pushing the last couple of years to to be the guy that everyone thought he he can be coming out of high school as, as a big time recruit, and, and I think you, you just look at his propensity to be around the football. Uh, I think that's really gonna do well against a, a Vanderbilt team that has you know a top two three running back in the SEC and Kashawn Vaughn and two of the top five pass catchers in the SEC. When you look at uh, uh, Kalijah Lipscomb, you know, and, and Jared Pickney at tight end, 
the, whoever Vanderbilt starts at quarterback, regardless of who it is, is going to have great weapons to try to, you know, push the ball downfield. And, you know, if they get down a couple touchdowns uh, early in the game or in the second quarter, that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to try to take some chances. And I really think that's going to open things up for for uh, LeCount to, to possibly come away from this game with a, either a big tip pass or, or possibly a turnover. So those are my guys, my picks to click. See, I, I love those safety picks because I think these Vanderbilt quarterbacks, I think both of them are going to play. I think they're just going to get a little bit of a crash course because you, you come in, you start playing football in the SEC, and, and you've got to face one of the more talented defenses in the SEC. And uh, safeties, for, for whatever reason, and, and yeah, probably being in the middle of the field, middle of the action, having everything in front of them, they, they tend to benefit the most from that. I'm I'm going to start on the defensive side, and and I've got a story coming out about this guy a little bit later today, or a little bit later on. But but Monty Rice, I, I just think Monty Rice with Keyshawn Vaughn, I think they're going to try to pound the football early in the game. I think Georgia's defensive line matches up well with Vanderbilt's offensive line, and I think Monty's going to get a chance to run and hit, and that's when he's at his best. I think he's going to have a big game, put up some big tackle numbers. Uh, not going to surprise me if if you know we're looking back at the first drive of the game. Or, or the first couple drives of the game, and you're looking at the stat sheet, and Monty Rice is sitting there with four or five tackles. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a, uh, you know, a, a Roquan-like 14 or 15 tackle for a loss guy from the inside linebacker position. That that's tough, and 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 I don't necessarily see that from him. But he's he's going to pile up the numbers as far as as tackles go. I just think this is a game that sets up super well for him, and uh, and he's a fantastic player. He, he's a really aggressive guy, and. and you know, that's one of the things that he talked about, uh, you know, when we talked to him at practice earlier this week or after practice was how he kind of relies on that aggression, and I think that that's going to work out really well for him. On the offensive side, I look back at last year's game. Terry Godwin lit Vanderbilt up in the slot, and I just think that when, when you do what Derek Mason has tried to do to Georgia two out of the last three years – and, and stuff the box and, and go after guys, I think you put that star nickel guy uh, that's supposed to be lined up over the slot in a bind because not only is he kind of in man coverage, but you've also got him watching the run and trying to play the edge and doing all those different things. And I think that's what allowed Terry Godwin to catch a 75-yard pass, uh, you know, I think on the second drive of the game for a touchdown. He, he came back later on and I think caught a 21-yard pass in that game. Uh, you know, averaging over 40 yards a catch. Demetrius Robertson is the guy I think gets the get, gets those touches this year. And I think Demetrius overall as an athlete, you know, I don't think he's as polished of a wide receiver. I don't think he's as, as good at creating quick separation as Godwin. But when all of those guys are up near the line of scrimmage and, and the safety's not, not even getting in his back pedal like he normally would because he's worried about the run game, Demetrius Robertson can make you pay. I mean, he can absolutely make you pay. It's one of the first things I thought of whenever Demetrius was was you know thinking of transferring back to Georgia. That's the that's the element he brings to your offense, and and I really think that that he can be a difference maker in this game, and, and the kind of guy that can reel off a couple big plays, loosen things up for the run game, and then that's when you really start to see Brian Herring and and uh, and DeAndre Swift, James Cook, Zamir White. I mean, just go down the list. Uh, I think all of those guys can have big games if they can get a couple big plays early, and I think Robertson's a really logical place to look for that. Uh, moving to a slightly different angle here, and, and it's one of the reasons I, I kind of altered my pick for pick to click because of this. Freshman, 
Georgia has, uh, you know, a really talented group of freshmen coming in, in in this class. Most of them enrolled early. 14 of the 24 signees enrolled early. 14 of the 20, uh, or, or I think it was more like 11 of the 20 or 10 of the 20 guys that they signed in the class in general were were freshmen. 10 of the 20 freshmen they signed in this class in general enrolled early. Uh, Kip, who are your freshmen that you expect to play the most in this game? Who are your freshmen you expect to have the biggest impact in this game? Well, you know, without knowing, you know, how healthy uh, Nicobe Dean is, I'm going to go with Nolan Smith. I think this 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 game presents a great opportunity for him to to get on the field in the passing situations. They're going to be rotating these these guys in. You know him, Adam Anderson, Jermaine Johnson, and I think that if Georgia gets up, you know, fairly early, you're just gonna you're gonna have a lot of situations where they're gonna have multiple pass rushers on the field at the same time. And you know, Nolan came in number one overall prospect, you know, in the country. Uh, that's a, that's a lot of pressure to put on, uh, you know, uh, a, a true freshman. But you know, he's lived up to it since he enrolled in January. You know, you've heard we, we've heard nothing but you know good things about him. And you know, we talked early on about him being a, a situational pass rusher type in his first year. You know, he's got that motor that's that's definitely going to really make him a, a strong asset in that situation. But you know, he. he from practice, from what I've seen, he's he's shown some you know some some physical a- attributes to his game that could get him on the field you know on second down, first and second down as well. So you know I think obviously Aziz Ojolari is is really earned a, you know a huge role this this season so far uh, at that Jack linebacker position. But you know I think that Nolan's He's going to get a lot of snaps, and potentially in this Vanderbilt game, he's going to get a lot of snaps. So I think, you know, it's easy to pick that that highest-rated freshman to play a big role. But I just think that the, the fit is there for him, you know, in, in this season opener to uh, to play often and, and to potentially have a pretty good game. Rusty, who do you like? I mean, obviously, I would go with Kip there uh, with Nakobe. Uh, not sure how healthy he is right now. So looking at that. Um, I, I love the pick of Nolan Smith. Obviously, you can play a pass rusher, a guy with a high motor at any time, no matter what, you know, third and long. He can come in and say, listen, you don't have to cover the flag. You don't have to do this. You just go get the quarterback. So it's, a, it's easier for that transition. I, I love the pick of Nolan Smith. I'll go, and I'm not saying he's going to have one of these games where people are going to know him, but as far as taking snaps, I think Dominic Blaylock, uh, maybe a little bit ahead of Kyrus Jackson, number two at the slot right now, behind Demetrius Robertson. And piggybacking on your pick, Jake, as far as the star and guys covering. And you want to talk about being able to create separation. That's what Dominique Blaylock is going to bring to the table. So, you know, he may not have five or six catches, but I think he'll probably get five or six, maybe three or four targets from Jake Fromm if he's in the game. And and uh, interested to watch him because I know everybody talks about Pickens, and rightfully so. But I think Dom's getting a little bit lost kind of in the shuffle right now, and I don't think people realize that he's probably running number two right now So at the slot. So it'll be interesting to see how much he plays. But, you know, in those third and fives, third and six, the red zone when you're in the nine-yard line at second goal and you got to have somebody that can separate from a defender, uh, Dominique Blaylock is an extremely good route runner. So I'll go with Dom and see how many snaps he gets. Yeah, I, I like that pick a lot, Rusty, and and I can't say this enough. Everybody I talk to, and this is not just like 
one guy had this to say about Dominic or two guys. I'm talking about probably a half dozen people told me uh, after this kid enrolled that he reminded them of N'Kobe Dean and how N'Kobe Dean came in in January with the maturity and the focus and and just the ability to, you know, sometimes these guys get out there in seven-on-sevens. There's a tendency that, hey, we're just out here playing ball with the boys and we're going to goof off and have a good time. That's not the kind of kid Dominic Sanders is or was whenever he got that opportunity. He went out there ready to work. He went out there and, and really impressed some of the older players with with how he locked into the system and how much he learned. And, and you know, you, you kind of make a telling comment there. Kiaris Jackson is a fantastic football player. He's a really talented football player. He's also a very mature guy and, and one that I think maybe battled a little bit of injury. What saw him watch in practice the other day uh, as the, the players, the, as the other receivers went routes on air uh but but you know the fact that dominic sanders has moved him i'm sorry dominic blaylock has moved himself in a position to potentially you know play and and get some snaps you know ahead of jackson there is is a testament to how how well he's played and so i really like that pick obviously nolan smith i think you know i had him ranked as georgia's most impactful freshman going into the season simply because i think he's going to have an opportunity to rush the passer and make some splash plays for georgia on the defensive side, uh, you guys kind of – I mean, N'Kobe Dean's right there, and I think we're all kind of wondering how healthy he is. It may take two or three games into the season before he really gets to where he wants to be. I know he's going to be very impactful. I think Trayvon Walker, because of the travel roster size uh, of this thing and, and the fact that there are going to be 70 guys, if this does turn out to be a game where Georgia pulls away late, I think Trayvon Walker is going to get 20, 25 valuable snaps under his belt, and I think he's going to make some plays especially if you consider if he's playing that many snaps and getting those that many reps late in the game, it's presumably going to be because Vanderbilt's trying to catch up, and, and that's going to allow him to flash as a pass rusher. So I think Trayvon Walker's a guy that is probably going to get overblown, to be honest with you. Uh, he, he comes in th- late third quarter, ends up get, getting a couple sacks, and then everybody's like, oh, well, Trayvon Walker's George's best pass rusher. He needs to be on the field. And then we'll be talking about that all next week and, and maybe for three weeks considering the fact that George's got uh, Murray State and and uh, and uh, uh, Arkansas State coming up before Notre Dame, but I think Trayvon Walker is a guy that that can have a big game and, and have a big impact on this uh, on this Vanderbilt game. I, I'm going to go with George Pickens on, on the other end simply because I think George Pickens is a guy that as Georgia scores and as they start to to kind of uh, have some success offensively if they are able to get away from Vanderbilt a little bit, I think George Pickens is going to get a ton of snaps as well. George is probably going to travel eight nine wide receivers uh for this week i don't see them traveling all 10 scholarship guys and uh if you're looking at at a guy that is probably going to make the trip because of his wide receiver ability and not necessarily because of special teams it's pickens and and he may be a guy ultimately that's in their third fourth drive of the game and makes a big play uh, he, you talk about red zone his ability to go up and catch those 50 50 balls and compete for him that's something where where he has a, an advantage and, and he can really help this team so so those are definitely my two freshmen that I'm going to be watching as uh, as Georgia travels to Nashville Jake can I interrupt and ask you something because this this is going to dominate conversation uh, I'm pretty sure for you and your role uh, w- with us how should Georgia fans read into this 70 man travel roster is it is it very telling or do you feel like there's going to be a lot of overreaction when these 70 guys are put in 15 really good scholarship players are not making this trip. What's your thoughts on that? 
I think it'll get I think it'll get overblown a little bit because it's game one. Uh, if this was a situation where Georgia had played Austin P and Middle Tennessee State, or or just Austin P like last year before they had to hit the road, and they had a little bit of an idea how guys were going to react to the bright lights and 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 how things were going to work out, then then maybe you read a little bit more into it. But this is game one. Some tough decisions are going to be made. Some guys are going to be you know told, hey, listen, just because you're not traveling for game one doesn't mean you're not going to travel for game six or game seven. So I I really I never really feel for these coaches unless you know they're they're going through personal tragedy or or you know their their players are getting dinged up because I know that hurts them. But I I have a little sympathy for the coaches in this first game because they're going to sure. leave some guys behind that don't sure. necessarily deserve to be left behind, and and, those, and they know that. And those conversations are going to take place today because I, I did talk to a parent, uh, and and they the players will not be told until this afternoon. So. That tells you Kirby Smart was truthful, saying, hey, we're going to make some decisions based off this week, but there's a lot of kids that are trying to decide if they're going. Their families are trying to decide if they're going. So it's fascinating to me, but I agree with you, man. I think it's going to be a lot of overreaction for game one. Yeah, and and then you consider guys like Prather Hudson, potentially Willie Erdman, walk-ons at at long snapper and and things like that. You're probably looking at – Georgia only has a – Maybe three guys on scholarship right now. Recruited guys on scholarship. They were they they brought to Georgia to be on scholarship, and you're you're still looking at more than thirteen or or fifteen guys that that are going to be left at home, and and you know that yeah you know right now you these coaches have probably known for a couple weeks now what who five six seven maybe even as many as ten of those guys are, but you can bet that there's a handful maybe more. That that they're just kind of shaking their head, like, man, I wish there was this was a seventy-five man roster, or or I wish we could, I wish it was a seventy-two man roster, because there are some tough decisions and there's some toss-ups. I mean, these coaches aren't going to be flipping a coin for it; they're going to sit down and analyze it and and maybe even argue over it a little bit who they're going to take. But but some tough decisions are going to be made, and then in a couple weeks, to three or four weeks. They're going to make a different decision. There's, there's going to be some changes, and and I firmly believe that. I, I don't think that this travel roster is going to be the same as the Tennessee travel roster. I actually went back and looked last week at the South Carolina roster and the 70 they took to South Carolina and compared it to to the 70 they took for Missouri, and there were some differences in there. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's a, any reason to overreact. It's probably inevitable, but but I don't think there's a reason to overreact to it. Definitely. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, let's look at let's look at uh, a situation that happened this week with Alabama. So, star inside linebacker, Alabama's already had some injuries at the inside linebacker position, but star inside linebacker, a guy that I feel like should be retiring from the NFL right now because I've heard his name for it seems like 10 years is Dylan Moses. Dylan Moses suffers a torn ACL. He's gone for the year. Alabama's paper thin at inside linebacker right now, and it sucks for Dylan Moses because I actually had a chance to meet the kid. Very, very charming kid. Very good kid. Nice guy. Handled 
being a superstar in the recruiting ranks from the time he was an eighth grader until the time he signed with Alabama, as well as anybody I've ever seen. And, and he's going to miss the whole season. That begs the question, Rusty, are, do these teams need, whether it's Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, uh, Arkansas State, do these teams need to start maybe backing off a little bit at some point during camp to, to kind of protect some of these guys? Or, or do you kind of have to just go with your process and, and, and say, hey, injuries happen and, and we'll figure it out as we go? This is a clear case of injuries happen. I mean, you look at the Zamir White last year and everybody flips out of why he's on special teams. They punted a ball against air and he ran down and stopped. And when he stopped, his knee buckled. So it can happen at any time, any place. I was kind of, uh, I wouldn't say blown away, but maybe caught off surprise by a lot of people, uh, specifically, specifically some Alabama fans of mine that reached out to me yesterday and kind of pissed that, you know, how's a kid like this get hurt? How do we let that happen? You cannot practice scared. You cannot, uh, there's no way to protect your players in that way. Now, the physical contact, you can limit that, the concussions, those types of things, you can limit that. But running, jumping, and ever I don't know how he got hurt. Uh, but th- there's parts of football that you can't, you can't have that in your mind as a coach. You can't have that in your mind as a player. I mean, unfortunately, it happened to Dylan Moses. And like you guys said, we've both covered him since the eighth grade. We've all covered him since the eighth grade. It's crazy how long uh, we've been around. I think he was one of the really first kids that got like, Real offers, and if I'm right, he was on a cover of Sports Illustrated back in the day. And um, it's unfortunate, man, because looking at him this morning, I was looking at Roquan's, Roquan's contract, and I mean, there's tens of millions of dollars potentially lost up front because of this injury. It does not mean his career's over, it does not mean he can't go on to have a long NFL career and make a lot. But man, you just heart hurts for somebody like that because. He has a special, uh, unique skill set as a three-down backer, can run the sidelines, hit you. I mean, he's Roquan Smith, basically, and uh, you just hurt for the kid. But on the other side of that question, man, you cannot practice, you cannot coach, and you cannot think as a player, I'm, you know, I'm trying not to get hurt because that's exactly when something happens. And, and you're right, man, Alabama, when you look at their big picture, uh, they are extremely – uh, thin at, at inside linebacker now potentially starting two freshmen, two true freshmen, I believe. And uh, man, it, it it changes the game a little bit. But the bigger picture is, man, your thoughts and prayers with Dylan Moses. Uh, I thought somebody on the board made a good post this morning. You know, no way he comes back. Uh, you know, Gurley had the ACL, still went first round. So, you know, if he's rehabbing right and he'll have plenty of time by the time those decisions are made next May. Uh, maybe teams have a good feel on him. And he'll still probably, in my opinion, slide in that first round. But I'm not sure he'll be a top 10 pick where the, the, the biggest money is and where he was projected. But you hate to see it, and you hate to see it at any time, but late in the year with a player that special. Yeah, and, and one thing I feel good about here, and, and I'm very happy for Moses in this regard, if he does have a chance to come out when Pro Day comes around or when the NFL Combine comes around, he's going to be able to run to 40. He's going to be able to show off what he does well. And, and that's always a good thing. I mean, it's always a, a good to um, – the, the, the silver lining in this, I guess, is the fact that he got hurt early enough that when February rolls around, he'll be running full speed and, and he'll be able to do those things. If he isn't able to run the 40 at Pro Day, if he doesn't feel confident doing it there, he'll be able to do it 
uh, you know, a couple, couple weeks, couple months, or a month or so later at Alabama's Pro Day. And then on top of that, when, when all these medicals are going on at the, at the combine and everything, his knee's, knee's going to be healed to the point he won't have to do the Todd Gurley thing. Todd got hurt, I think, in mid-November where he's like, no, I don't want you tugging and pulling and twisting on my knee right now. Dylan's going to be in a spot where he can allow you know trainers to do that. But I'll say this about and I, could, I couldn't agree with you more on on not practicing scared that's a pebble you drop into the ocean and it causes a monsoon because you start doing that it has a ripple effect on your entire team as far as culture goes well if coach is going to let you know dylan back off then he's you know he's can he's going to let me back off because i think i can be a first rounder and then you have all sorts of you know different things flying around and not only that i mean it's it's inside linebackers a spot alabama was thin anyway you've got to get guys ready to play and if you've got your play caller if you've got your 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 defensive play caller right there in the middle, he's got to help get somebody up to speed, and it's just really unfortunate. It's just bad luck. I mean, it's just that that's just all there is to it, and 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 it's it's going to happen. It has happened every year that I've ever you know followed college football. Big time players, key players, get hurt in the preseason because you're preparing for a very grueling, very physical football season, and it's going to happen. Kip, I want to toss this to you for just one second and, and, and get your opinion. How do you think this affects and, – and, and Kip's not prepared for this, by the way, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of putting him on the spot here. But how do you think this affects the DeAndre Baker and Rashawn Gary type situations of, of guys sitting out bowl games? Is, just this more, is, is this just more ammo for those guys to say – all right, this is why I'm this is why I'm not participating in a bowl game. Or all right, this is why I'm leaving early and and not coming back for my senior year. It's definitely going to play a role in that. I think going forward. I mean, you look at, I mean, early draft projections are, are tough. I mean, we, we look at them in, in July and August, and then come April and May, they look completely different. But that's all we can really go by right now. And and, and if you look at where you know the discussion on Dylan Moses was is that he was probably going to be that first linebacker chosen in that top 10 to top 15 range uh, you know a guy that has similar ability to Roquan Smith even though he hasn't really had that type of season that's what was expected of him this year and and as Rusty said when you I mean if we're talking about potentially losing millions uh, it's something that's definitely going to be on the minds of of similarly projected players moving forward. They're going to start looking at that, and you know it's it's a tough precedent because when we start thinking about guys, there might be guys that, that shut it down middle of the season or maybe late in the season. If, if their teams got two losses and they might be out of the playoff hunt, we might start seeing guys that you know, potentially pull themselves out. And that's that's a tough precedent for college football. But, I mean, that that's what it is. If if, if you think you have a chance to, to sign that kind of contract, then you're probably going to have a lot of people in your ear. You know, uh, you know you're going to have people that, that want the best for you, but, you know, might not see the whole picture. And, and it, you're going to get a lot of advice. I mean, and w- once you start getting into that third season, uh, a lot of uh, – you know, a lot of people's eyes are already looking toward the NFL and thinking about that that big, you know, paycheck. And it, it, it's really, you know, a 
very strange um, precedent to set, but it's something that, that I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing that happen. Uh, you know, guys shut it down mid-late season before the bowl game even comes around. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll start seeing guys, uh, you know, if we start seeing someone sit out a whole season, you know, it's it's really going to send a lot of shockwaves throughout college football. It'll, it'll change the way the whole game's approached. And so it's it's something that we're going to have to watch and see what happens. But, you know, definitely Dylan Moses being down, like you guys said, that's that's a huge, huge loss for Alabama. Uh, as you said, Jake, it, these are the guys that are basically the traffic cop in Alabama's defense that, that makes sure the front seven are – you know, are, are all in the right spot and communicating to everyone. And so now uh, that Mike Backer, you're going to have, uh, you know, you're going to have two true freshmen playing inside linebacker, and they're going to be behind a true freshman nose guard in DJ Dale as well. You know, it's, those are huge roles in their scheme, playing by, you know, first-year guys. We're used to seeing Rolando McClain, Donta Hightower, C.J. Mosley, Reggie Raglan, Reuben Foster, you know, uh, Sean Deion Hamilton, and now this really, you look back at this, you see Mac Wilson leaving early for the NFL. You know, we talk about the guys that left Georgia early. You know, a lot of guys, uh, you know, receiver and, and tight end. And, but Alabama, I mean, it, it hits them too. You know, they're not impervious to this, and it's showing now. You know, that loss of Mac Wilson it was a huge loss for them. And, and now, you know, you're, you, you can only build so much depth. You, I mean, these, these programs recruit. To, to try to, to you know prepare for this and you know luckily for Alabama they have a, you know a couple really talented true freshmen but at the same time that's those are not positions where you want to put first year guys in there in that scheme because it you know it is complicated it's not simple and they have a lot on their shoulders so uh, I'm interested to see how how they adapt the, the plus side to that is man you, you look toward next year you're you're probably going to have a couple guys that played a lot of snaps that you know, and, and they're going to come back, and you know, r really ready to run that defense. So it helps them for the second half of the season and next year, but the you know first six games of the season they're going to have a lot on their plate. Hey, and this is a reminder to all the fans out there: it is it is perfectly okay to be cool with a kid's decision to not play a bowl game or to set out a bowl game to protect their interest, while also admiring the kids that are competitive and, and team guys enough to the so much to the point that they decide to play in the bowl game and that's that's kind of where we are now and and i can't blame this is one more reason why you can't blame those kids let's talk about let me let me jump in right quick on the end of that jake i'm gonna tell you right now that we saw a lot of it last bowl season we're gonna see even more of it this bowl season if you're not in the playoff in my opinion there's gonna be a lot more kids sitting out and and whether we agree or disagree i promise you that is gonna happen oh it's the new leaving early for the nfl draft for sure that's that's what it is it's the new trend of leaving early. somebody I, I maybe it was leonard fournette jake Budd. i can't remember who did it uh but think. yeah somebody's they opened the floodgates they showed it was okay and it's being done, and and it's just something college football is going to have to adjust to. And I, I don't necessarily think it's as bad for the game as everybody seems to think it is. But uh, it is what it is now, and and uh, we're going to be we're we're going to be seeing it a lot. And and I have no doubt about what you just said. Uh, real quick, not going to spend a ton of time on this, but Darnell Washington, uh, big time athlete, projected as a tight end. 
I blow it blows my mind. I've seen this kid's profile like six times, and it blows my mind every time. Six foot seven and a half, two hundred and sixty-one pounds. Very much trending towards Georgia in the two four seven sports crystal ball. And Kip, you've kind of had a little bit of a read on his recruitment. What 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 are your thoughts on Darnell Washington and Georgia, and and uh, what kind of player is he? Well, first off, I gotta say, I mean, I've seen him in person. It's it's verified size. The kid looks like a monster. I mean, it's it, I haven't really you know seen a lot of players that really just have that type of frame and build. I mean, uh, you know, OJ Howard kind of set the standard for what we look for in a tight end now. And uh, this tight end class is truly special. You know, I mean, we've talked about Eric Gilbert a lot from Marietta. Uh, Darnell Washington's a guy that, uh, you know, again, carries 245 pounds really well. Um, and, and, you know, you, you see him out there, you think this guy's going to be slow as molasses. But, uh, he, you know, he's got a long stride to him. And it, it's definitely from what I saw at the opening finals in Texas, I mean, the, the, that guy will be a, you know, a nightmare uh, when, it, when getting the red zone, just his ability to shield defenders. But as far as his recruitment goes, I mean, Rusty will attest to agree with this. Well, we, we think Georgia has been in a, you know, a good spot for a while. I mean, and they've been able to get him on campus and, and really able to get him back on campus for the, uh, you know, the, the dog days barbecue at the end of July kind of, you know, that kind of check that box where we say, you know, follow the visits. You know, a lot of teams trying to get them back on campus, and they only had that one weekend of the open recruiting period, and it was Georgia that got them back in Athens. I think that, you know, Todd Hartley has done an outstanding job, uh, you know, recruiting him and making sure that, you know, he and his family are comfortable with what they're doing at Georgia. And he just right now heading into the season – you have to like where, where Georgia is. You know, he initially put out that top three that had Georgia, Miami, Tennessee. And uh, I'm sure his phone, when he, when he put that on on his Instagram account, uh, his phone probably lost about 10% of battery in that first five minutes with college coaches, uh, you know, reacting to that. The, the schools that weren't in that top three. And so, you know, almost immediately after that, he, he kind of reacted and said, you know, Alabama and Penn State are in it as well, but you know I kind of a uh, I, I think the first top three is, is is where things are. I mean that's what he actually told me at the opening finals. You know he I, mean, I was talking to him, I was asking him questions, and he was like, "Well, I mean Georgia might be my number one. They're in my top two, and you know Miami and Tennessee they're probably my top three. You know he said it then, so you know I I believed him then because. Uh, he's not a huge interview fan. I'll just go ahead and put that out there. You know, being a five-star, you get a lot of interview requests. It probably gets old pretty early. But the one thing I'll say is, you know, he he's pretty open to, to answering questions genuinely. I mean, you ask him a question, he'll, he'll think about it for a second, and he'll give you a quality answer. So, you know, I, I I've got a pretty good – you know, feel for for where he stands right now, and I think it, it's it's Georgia setting the bar just because of Todd Hartley. You know, he's he's recruited the area really well, and um, he recruited the area at Miami as well, and, and signed the number one tight end out out of uh, Nevada a couple years ago. So I, I think he really feels comfortable with what Todd Hartley's doing. I think you know the key here is his recruitment 
isn't over. You know, he is not going to make a decision now or, or, or next month or at least announce anything. Whether he has a decision in his own mind, he's not doing anything until that Under Armour All-American game in January. So Georgia sitting in the catbird seat in my mind right now, but, it, you know, we're at the end of August here. So, you know, they've got four months still to uh, to make sure that, that you know, they, they seal the deal there and get him in that early signing period. And then, you know, he'll announce publicly, I guess, a couple weeks after that. That's that's the new trend now is you sign, you keep it quiet, and then you announce at the All-American game that you're in. And so I, I think, uh, you know, that's where – Todd Harley is right now trying to get two tight ends in this class and, and definitely having to fight these, these uh, grown man battles to, 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 to get these guys. Rusty, throw your, throw your little two cents in here, man. I mean, I think uh, Kip summed it up right there. I mean, it, it, look, we've talked about this many, many days. There is three freaky, uh, you know, maybe Jalen Conyers went to Oklahoma, four big jumbo athletic dudes in this class at tight end slash hybrid wide receiver and you know darnell six set it's funny we said you said that jake is six seven two sixty because 15 years ago everybody thinking man we're about to sign the best most athletic left tackle in the country and <laughs> so true you know what i mean everybody's thinking man this kid's gonna be six seven three hundred i can't wait and uh you know this guy's six seven two sixty in high school gonna play tight end in college and uh, you know, Georgia has a need. I agree with Kip. I feel like Georgia's in a good spot right now. So uh, with, a, with a long way to go with him because the earliest he can sign will be December. And if he does announce in early January at the Under Armour game, uh, there'll be a while before that decision is publicly made. So Todd Hartley's on this guy hard. Been to campus several times. Um, he, he is a must-get. Georgia's got to have two of those three, in my opinion, left. And any, any – uh, any combination would be a huge win for Georgia. Rusty, you made that comment. I'm, I'm waiting on this first offensive tackle to, to say in an interview, yeah, coach told me he wants me at 400 pounds whenever I enroll. So <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting on that because I think it's I think it's happening. The first tight end to say, yeah, coach told me he wants me 290 whenever I enroll because they're just getting bigger, faster, stronger, more athletic, more capable. It's crazy. All right, Rusty, let's wrap this thing up with uh, uh, some thoughts and some uh, talk on – uh, the get together, the Valentine, five to seven on on uh, Friday. Uh, uh, we're teaming up with six eighty to fan Brian Hoyt, uh, Carlos Medina. Uh, we're going to be joining them at uh, at at the Valentine in Nashville. Uh, I'm stoked, man. I'm so looking forward to this. And uh, Rusty, uh, I know you are too. You've 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 been working on this for a little while now. What you got, man? I tell you, I'm I'm getting a little nervous from from the people that tell me that are coming. Um, you know, we have plenty of room up top. It's four floors there. Uh, we will be based on the rooftop. I uh, put the picture out on Twitter. Put the picture on the uh, on the junkyard, on some social media as well. Um, you know, there's plenty of room. They have the second and third floors. If we have to move down there as well, so get there. It's going to be a great time. We're going to be there, but we'll be based upstairs. They're going to be broadcasting live 680. Uh, we'll be, I think they go off the air right at six and God help us all when they go off the air and turn Hoyt loose, uh, to, for him to enjoy his night. So it's a win-win for us. We look forward to meeting everybody, man. A great time. We'll have some beverages, catch up with everybody. It's not like we're running out the door at seven o'clock. We just, we have to put a time on this. 
The Ballantyne right on Broadway is the official UGA Alumni Association bar. That They watch Georgia games there every Saturday if they're on TV. They take that place over. So it is right on Broadway. I would encourage everyone to Uber there from your hotel, wherever parking is kind of a uh, uh, tricky situation now that Nashville has grown. I can't wait for the people that haven't been in a couple of years to see uh, what that city has done. There are cranes freaking everywhere. Also, uh, we'll start off Friday morning on Bill King. We'll probably post that on the board, a little app. So I'll be on the air with him for a couple hours. But, man, I'm looking forward to it. Big game, seeing you guys, catching up. Um, just a lot of people that we, we're finally going to get some to put some faces together with some names. So it should be really, really interesting and really, really cool. If the Valentine is not your scene, if the bar scene is not your scene, you can help us out by finding out who the Nashville fire marshal is and going and creating a diversion at his house. Make sure he's got to come home for a few hours, does not show up there and find these good people for the for all the people that are going to show up because it may be needed. Okay. But uh, for this show, this is the Junkyard Dogcast. We're going to wrap this thing up. We'll see everybody in Nashville that comes. Uh, we'll have a lot to say about that. We'll be back with you guys next week to talk about Georgia's season opener and and so much more, so much going on recruiting. It's always busy around here, but that's all we got for today. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from Dogs 24-7. This has been the Junkyard Dogcast, and we'll t- and take care, everybody. <laughs>